All right, well, good morning. Welcome to Barrel Life Church. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of today's worship experience. No matter where you're located, maybe you're right here in Eastern Kentucky in the region, we welcome you. Maybe you're somewhere across the great United States, we welcome you. Maybe you're watching somewhere across the world and somehow you stumbled upon this uh, message on YouTube or our Facebook or, I don't know, maybe on our app. And listen, no matter how you found your way here, we believe that God brought you here for a reason. You're not here by mistake. And we just wanna give you a big old welcome right here from East Kentucky. Thank you so much for joining in. You've caught us here at the end of this series, but before we jump into it, I just have a great announcement to make. Next week, November 1st, two great things are happening. Number one, you get an extra hour of sleep. Don't forget to do that. You, you don't forget to you go and show up early, right? We got an extra hour of sleep, so super excited about that, or as you show up late, one of those up. And we're gonna be opening back up in person, super excited about that. It's been over six months now that we have not been having gatherings in person, and we're going to take that step and, and open up the doors. Now, for some of you right now, I just want you to know, we're gonna be practicing everything uh, that, that we can with social distancing. We're asking you to wear a mask. We'll have some more details, as uh, Aaron said this week, I'll be sharing that, what that may look like at our campuses. All of our team members that serve that day are gonna be wearing masks. They're gonna be temperature checked to make sure that we've done everything we can to protect and, and serve you to our best ability. We will not be having a kids ministry as far as open to the public. Uh, for the team members who are serving uh, next week, we'll have a space for their kids uh, in our kids ministry area for them as they serve you and your family. Uh, but we're getting everything in place. We're getting all the systems and stuff in place to practice uh, social distancing and keep our best with our kids. And so when we open up our kids ministry in the very near future, uh, you're still more welcome to bring your kids. They can sit with you right here in the auditorium where you're at the Grayson campus or here at the Morehead campus. But we just wanna let you know uh, we're working out the kinks in that to make sure we do it as safe as we can, as best as we can, as clean as we can uh, also, but as, as fun as we can to minister to your children. So I'm really super excited about that. November the 1st, I wanna invite you to one of our campuses, either to Grayson or the Moorhead, same times, 10, 11, 30, right here. Super excited about that. So uh, mark that on your calendars, get the word out. If you wanna come, be part of that, you can. I will say this as well, several of you, you've texted me, you've emailed me, you've called me to say, hey, I, I want you to know we're there, we're all in at Better Life Church, we've got you back, we wanna be part of it, but because of the stuff happening to COVID, maybe you're taking care of an elderly parent, maybe you're working in a place that's a high risk, that hey, you just, you're not gonna be able to make it, listen, that is okay. That is completely okay. We're gonna to minister to you right online. We're still gonna be broadcasting this. Maybe, listen, maybe you're, you're elderly and you're at high risk, and, uh, but I know in your heart, you're like, man, I'm gonna be there. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna knock this out. I wanna be part of my family, but maybe for you at this time and this season and what we're going through, uh, maybe it really honestly be best for you just to continue to worship at home, maybe in your watch party, in your small group, with your family, and be part of that because, you know, listen, we're, we're, this is gonna end someday. Trust me, it's gonna end. We will get through this, and I believe with everything within me, the church is gonna come out so much stronger and greater and with more fervency and urgency and passion to reach lost people. I really, really believe that with everything within me. So wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, we have an avenue to worship to you, whether it's in person or whether it's online in a small group or watch party. However, as Connie said, we can serve you. We are here to serve you in any way we can. So we started this series out called Kill Joys, and really we went over the seven deadly sins. So I know you've probably heard of the seven deadly sins. Now, there's not a passage in the Bible where Solomon or Moses or Paul list out these are the most seven deadly sins. They actually came around the fourth century. Um, a guy came up with, hey, these are some of the vices that really uh, trap and, and snare those who follow God, who follow after Jesus. And it's kind of just kind of been built on. They are sins. The Bible do, does talk about them, but there's not like a specific, like this is the worst of the worst sin. And so we walked through these. We talked about the first week about pride. Pride is really, is the cause of all sin. Reason why we sin is because we're pride. All sin will lead you away from God, but pride tries to elevate you to become God, to be God to be the Lord of your life. We talked about envy and anger and greed, sloth and gluttony. Well, that last week, that, that was pretty cool. I've never preached on sloth or gluttony. I've been communicating now for 20 years just about it, and I've never really, have really preached a sermon. And honestly, I've never even heard a sermon. 
on sloth or gluttony in my whole entire life. I'm 43 years old. So I thought this is gonna be interesting and, uh, and, and it was really fun to walk through and learn, but very convicting uh, to really shape really what that looks like and means from the biblical context. And so today though, we're gonna be talking about lust. Now, lust is at the end of, of this. Lust is, is honestly, is like greed, it's like uh, envy, it's like these things. In fact, lust, manifolds itself in so many different ways. You could lust for money. You could lust for power. You could lust uh, for pleasure. You could lust for food. You could lust for praise. And so when you think about it, there's so many things that you could lust for. However, since we've already addressed greed, which is a lust for money, since we've already addressed gluttony, which is somewhat in one category, a lust for food, We've already addressed pride, which is a lust for power, that you wanna be your God. We've already addressed envy, which is a lust for praise, or that you want something someone else has that you lust for. Today, I'm gonna treat lust as a sexual sin, which when you think about lust, that's probably the first thing that comes to your mind is some type of sexual sin or sexual sin. But lust is greater than sexual sin. Lust, again, for money, for power, for for food, for, for pleasure. It can go on and on and on. But today, I'm going to focus specifically on lust for sexual sin or as a sexual sin. So parents in the watch party, parents with your family, parents who are sitting around together and you're watching this, or maybe you invited your friend over for the first time for a watch party and they're sitting there with you today. Um, It could get a little awkward. So I just wanna let you know, parents, we have a great children's curriculum. And this is the great time for you maybe to pause this, take a break just for a moment, maybe look at your little kids, maybe be sitting around with you at the TV and say, hey, you know what, it may be good for you to go and and do the kids' ministry right now. So I know a lot of parents uh, wait till after the, the service or the watch party, and then they have children's church basically with their kid. This would probably be a good place to pause. If I had the Jeopardy theme song right now, I would play it and give you some time to, to do that, but I don't know how to miraculously make that happen, and so we can't play that through your speakers. But I just wanna let you know, parents, this is gonna be mature content. I would say TV 14, right? Uh, you know, for a teenager and up, so and if you want little Johnny to be part of this conversation, Let's go. We're gonna walk this out. Uh, one thing here at Better Life Church, we're, we're not a shy of hard topics. Uh, we're not afraid to talk about issues that plague and face people's hearts and their minds, and we'll deal with issues as we, as we come across them in the scripture. As things rise up in society, we'll talk about things. Uh, in fact, I think the church is the place where these things need to be talked about. I've talked to several people before that had walked through sexual sin and things in their life, and, and they were never told or talked about. No one ever preached about it. No one ever, it's kind of one of those embarrassing things that's kind of like hush hush you just don't talk about those things in your life and and basically you've just been told just to wait to have sex to get married and then that's like the only thing the church would ever talk about they didn't talk about how do you deal with temptation how do you walk through these things where does these lustful thoughts come from how do you win with the lustful thoughts in your mind so we're going to jump into that we're going to talk about that it's mature content parents we're just going to trust you to do the right thing but just want to give you a little a way out there if you wanted to pause and maybe you just can't right now so maybe you need to come back and watch the sermon later with you and your spouse or or teenagers or whoever that you're with so we're going to jump in today we're going to talk about lust so turn with me to first thessalonians first thessalonians chapter 4 this is the passage i'm going to i'm going to focus on today first thessalonians chapter 4 paul is writing to the church of thessalonica now let me tell you something about thessalonica corinth the church of Corinth and the city of Corinth and Thessalonica is like the capital sin city of the world. I mean, these two cities, listen to me, they would make Las Vegas blush. Now, I'm not to offend everybody who might be watching from Las Vegas. If you're watching from Las Vegas, we have people in our church who used to live in Las Vegas. And I know people's like, that's like kind of capital or sin city of the, of the United States, sin city of the world, however you want to label it. Anyway, these cities would make Las Vegas blush. Like if you wanna talk about sexual sin that's out of context, they, listen, today has no comparison what's going on in the city of Thessalonica and Corinth where Paul planted churches and Paul visited. You know, I'm thinking of Corinth there. Uh, there there's a temple and uh, Aphrodite, this the goddess, the sexual goddess, she'd had a thousand prostitutes at the temple. And all during those times, men would go down, think they're going to church to worship. 
And they would go have sex with prostitutes because they thought this is the way they would connect with the goddess. They would connect. And so everything you can imagine, your imagination run wild happening. I mean, anything took place and there was no laws about it. There was no rules about it. There was no regulation. You could do whatever you want with anyone you want, no matter what age they were. Like there were no laws to protect anyone. This was as wide open, as fast as you could go, do what you wanna do. And now all of a sudden Jesus comes in and says, hey, there's a new way to live. There's a new way to think. There's something new to do with your body. And now through the Holy Spirit, empowering the apostle Paul, he writes these things to a jacked up, messed up, sexual crazed church. How do you live now with Jesus in the middle of, of all of this wicked sin that's all around you? How, do you? how do you handle your body? What do you do now? So I didn't get real graphic because it's crazy if you go back into study history of what's taking place in these cities. But now here's Paul writing a letter. Here's how you handle your body. Here's how you win with this. Here's what you do with this because it is everywhere you go, everywhere you go. And I know you think today it's everywhere you go, but listen to me. Today's society, as bad and as perverted as you think it is, has nothing on these two cities. Not even come com close. I mean, we would, we would blush today if we could go back there for that moment and just see what's happening, even in a so-called temple where you think you're just going to church, where you think you were going to worship. And so there's so many, and for, for just time's sake and just, you know, being, you know, <laughs> didn't want to get too graphic, say, but really, this is this. Uh, Paul writes, How do you leave Las Vegas? Okay, how do you leave Las Vegas? How do I get out of this? How, as a Christian now, I don't do this with a, a temple prostitute? He writes that in Corinth. He writes a whole chapter on that when you go, you think you're going to be joined. And, and, and it's so sticky that you kind of glue yourself, you bond yourself with this person. You are made different now. You are in Christ. So, how do you deal with this? How do you, watch this, change these old habits? Because really, if you think about it, these are things that we've learned. How do I change this? How, how do I get past this? I don't wanna think these thoughts. I don't wanna look at this stuff. I don't wanna do this, these things. And Paul's like, listen, you used to live this way in your former way of life, but now you can change and you can become new and you can stop this and you can control what your mind's thinking. Every time you walk out, every time you go to the temple, every time you hear this stuff, you can become new. And now I'm sitting there going, how do you do that? because this is something that's it's gonna affect every single one of us in some form or fashion. So let's jump in this, 1 Thessalonians chapter four. We're gonna start with verse eight. I'm gonna walk through these verses, so I'm gonna read them, and then we're gonna really jump into them and then talk about how do, how do we, what's a game plan we can, we can work through to overcome lust in, 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 in the form of a sexual temptation or sexual morality in our life. So let's go through this. Verse one. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to believers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So he said, we used to come there, planted a church, we talked to you about this new, new way of life, that Jesus comes and gives you this new way of living. We've heard from a distance, you're doing it. You're killing it, you're doing great. You're living and it's pleasing God. Keep this up more and more, verse two. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I didn't come give you Paul's opinion, I didn't come give you man's opinion, I'm here on behalf of God's mouthpiece, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you what God wants you to know. So we should perk up then. Verse three, it is God's will. People always say, I don't know God's will for my life. I don't know. There's a few things in the Bible we know what's God's will for your life. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. What's that? It's a big fancy word, like you should be sanctified. That God is gonna make you more like his son Jesus. That you should avoid, avoid, that's a big word, we'll come back to that, sexual immorality. Why? I know you see it in the grocery store. Everywhere you go, you hear the temple prostitutes. You hear what's going on. You, you've seen it. Watch this. Listen, this is Guru Gravit. They're doing things with animals all over the place. And you see this. And you take your kids with you and you walk everywhere. You know this is a very wicked place that you're living. But you should avoid sexual morality. Verse 4, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy. And honorable, what's that mean? Holy means to be set apart, which means you're different. You know everybody, what you're seeing, doing at the temple and stuff, and every time you go down the road, no, 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 you're different now because you are in Christ. 
not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother and sister in Christ. Someone who's a believer, you should take advantage of them in this sexual immorality. Big warning here. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, when we were with you, we told you this and warned you, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, if anyone rejects this instructions, they don't reject Paul. You ain't rejecting the preacher. You ain't rejecting me. But you're rejecting God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Whoa. Imagine that you're sitting there, next thing you know, you hear that a letter comes from the Apostle Paul and, and, and you're part of the church now and what would happen, the letters would circulate in the city where people were meeting in house churches, AKA watch parties, all over the city. And so they would get a letter and they would stand up and say, hey, the, the Apostle Paul, he, he sent us a letter and, and, and they would stand up and they would read the letters that we have and they would pass the letters around all the way for the churches and from city to city. That's one reason why we don't have like that original first document that maybe the Apostle Paul wrote on because it was wore itself out because they would pass it around from church to church to church to church to church, house church, house church, house church, to city, to city, to city, and they would stand up and say, here's what Paul says. So imagine you get a letter from the Apostle Paul, like, oh my gosh, he wrote us another letter. We love Apostle Paul. Tell us, what did God tell you to tell us? Avoid sexual morality. Really? Come on, man. This is like, we're going back here again? Because if you don't, God's gonna punish you. Whoa, you got my attention now. Imagine, this is the letter. Put yourself in that situation. You begin to read, and what Paul lines out here, he says, listen, there's two paths that you could take. There's a passionate lust, or you could be controlled by the Spirit. You can follow your fleshly desires and act out your fleshly desires, or you can follow the Spirit. You could follow lust, what leads to sexual morality, passionate lust, it's what the pagans do. You'll take advantage of people. You will be punished. It's a sin. It's impure. And you're going to reject God when you do it. You want to go that route? Well, not when you put it that way. Or you can go this route. You can walk in God's will. He will sanctify you and make you more like Jesus. You'll be able to control your body. And you will be holy and honorable before God. Uh, sign me up for that one. See, if, if, if both paths, let's think about it. Let's just, let's just talk this out logically. If we were sitting here having a conversation over a cup of coffee or one-on-one, -on -one, and I would say, listen, you have, a, you have a path to choose here. You could go this way and fulfill the flesh, or you can go this way and walk in the spirit. Here's the benefits, here's the pros, here's the cons, here's what's gonna happen, here's the consequences. Which one would you choose? Honestly, which one do you think you choose? I would even go to bed, even someone who is so sexual immoral, he may not even know God, would look and say, man, I would love to have peace. I would love, I would love to have control. I would love to feel fulfilled. That's why I turn to this stuff, because nothing's filling this hole in my heart. I mean, nobody in their right mind goes, uh, give me the one that where God's gonna punish me. And there's so many, many worse consequences. I wanna go this route. Paul says, you gotta choose. Which one, which path, will you choose to follow your flesh or follow the spirit? And so I want you to know this. I want you to know this. If you're a non-believer, which means you, you, know, you kind of know about Jesus, but you really never received him, you never yielded your life to him, sexual sin can lead you straight to hell. You need to know that. And I know what people are saying. It's my body, I can do what I want, I'm not hurting nobody. Paul writes a whole big book about that to the church of Corinth. He talks about that in chapter six. I mean, he goes on and on and on about how important to keep yourself pure. Because out of all sins, there's something different about sexual sin. Sexual sin is sticky, it will stick with you, it will haunt you, it will be with you for the rest of your life. You think that you're going down there and just having sex, but every time he says you go to the temple prostitute, you become one with her. And God only made you to become one with one person in a covenant relationship called marriage for the rest of your life, and you think you're not bonding with her, you are. He writes all about this in 1 Corinthians chapter six, and he talks about it over and over and over. But if you're a believer and you're struggling with sexual sin, I want you to know this, you cannot live outside of God's law 
and get away with it. You can't live outside God's law and disobey God and get away with it because there's consequences to your sin. And I'm telling you, there's really big consequences to sexual sin. And I don't care when this happened in your life. Listen to me. When somebody comes to me and meets with me in my office and they say, I'm struggling with guilt in my life, 99.9% of the time, every time, it's always something sexual in their past. And I'm not talking about something sexual that happened last week. I'm not talking about something sexual that happened last year. I'm talking things we're holding on to for 20, 30 years. And they don't know if God has truly forgiven them of and they fill in the blank. You know how many conversations I've had? With ladies who would have come and said, I was sexually active, I got pregnant and I had an abortion. Will God forgive me? Do you know how many conversations? with a, a man who goes, I was part of it and I encouraged her to have an abortion because of our lust driven, created this moment and then we thought this is how we fix it. Will God forgive me? Folks, you will not believe how many conversations I've had dealing with this. That's happened 10, 20, 30 years ago. There's something about sexual sin that it's sticky and it haunts and there's guilt and there's shame that you want to run and hide, that you don't want no one to know, you don't even share and you're wondering, and listen to me, this is one of the things the enemy wants to do to kill your joy, to rob you from what God has for you. So what are some of the cause or what might be the cause of this and we're gonna walk through really the cause, I'm talking about what it might cost you and then the cure, how do, how do, we, how do we work through this? Honestly, if you think about the cause, sexual desire is a good thing. God invented it. Did you know that? God created it. Some of you think, well, God wants to kill my joy. No, no, God wants to fulfill your joy. God says, I have something that's so wonderful, that's so beautiful, that is so great, it's going to help procreate the earth, but it's gonna bring you pleasure at the same time. But listen, I put guardrails on it. It's for one man and one woman to spend a covenant relationship for the rest of their life. And when it happens inside of those guardrails and in that boundary, it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing you could ever imagine. So wait till you make that covenant relationship. Wait for that commitment and you're gonna find this beautiful thing that I've created for you. But we know that sin entered into the world. And because sin has entered into the world, it's corrupted all these desires. Something that God meant for good. A desire to eat. We talked about this in gluttony, which is not just about food, can be corrupted a desire for, for things that God gave us to enjoy can turn into envy for someone else and kill the joy and become sinful. A sexual desire is God, the first thing God said is be fruitful and multiply. You know what that means? Put some Marvin Gaye on it and get it on. That's what he said. I've created this for you too, to go. For pleasure, to procreate, this is for you to build a family. Like God is, God is all about this, but he says, however, I'm gonna put some stipulations on it. But because sin is there into the world, we think we can be like God and, and better than God and smarter than God, so we wanna come outside the guardrails. And we wonder what the problem is. And we try to blame God when God has conversations like this with you going, what do you mean, it's my body, I can do what I want, I'm not hurting anybody. But I'm telling you, sex morality is all around us. And if you really wanna look at a sexual morale church, People, a group, cities, look no further than Corinth and Thessalonica because they're messed up. That's why the Apostle Paul is writing to them, how do you fix this? How do you get back on track? And we live in a culture, I'm just gonna be honest with you today, it's so perverted, and they're gonna do everything they can to pervert you. Sex sells. That's why you can't hardly watch a, a, a halftime uh, NFL show, right? I mean, because they know what sells. You can't even watch sometimes car, car commercials, like two cars getting in and, and next they have a baby. Like, like what, why, is it, why does it have to be so sexual driven? I mean, you, you look everywhere and you, you see everywhere because it sells. It's a way, it's marking. The enemy knows it's gonna pull out our heart. A God-given desire that God has given us, the enemy's gonna do everything he can to corrupt it and turn it and use it against you. We live in a very perverted world. I mean, think about it. The sexual thoughts and fantasies that run through our minds that may come and pierce you when you're not even paying attention to it, when you don't even know that it's there. It just comes out of nowhere. 
You look at a billboard, you look at something, you're driving, you see something like, oh my gosh, what's that? You, you, you're flipping through Facebook and boom, there's something or Instagram and before you know it, there's hashtags and you go, what's that? And you click on it and, just, and it goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. I mean, the sexual thoughts and fantasy is everywhere all around us. Sexual activity happened everywhere all around us. And I know what people are saying, well, as long as I don't have sex and I'm okay, no, listen to me. I'm talking about fooling around, talking about oral. I could go on same sex. We can go on any sexual activity outside between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship is sexual morality. Please hear that, everything outside of that. The Bible is full and goes on and on and on and talks all about these sexual sins. And he says there's something unique about them and there's something that has a, wreaks havoc on the body like any other sin. This is very, very serious to God. It's very, very important. And some said, well, since I can't do that, then I'm just turn to pornography. 40 million people a year, 40 million people, 40 million Americans right now are having sex with the internet. One out of three now are women. It's not just a man thing. It's everywhere, instantly, on your phone. You can grab it. Self-gratification, boom, before you know it, here it is. Everywhere you go, anywhere you turn, you can have 24-7 access to it. Parents, that's why you better be monitoring what your children are watching. You better be monitoring what's on your kid's phone. They can hide apps. Listen, if they're on social media, parents, follow them. Follow them on Instagram. Follow them on Snapchat. Follow them on Facebook if they have one. Follow and see. Like, well, I just trust Johnny. You better follow him, and you better have conversations with him, because if you're not, I promise you, somebody else is, and it's gonna get into their ear, and they're gonna speak these lies into it because sex sells. It's everywhere. Everywhere you turn, it's there. And then it goes from the point, listen, you can't no longer look at it, and this is where you grab it, and then you begin to just touch yourself. All of these are sexual immorality outside of God's will for your life. No matter how you slice it, how you dice it, where you look at it, God says, I've got this wonderful, beautiful thing between one man and one woman in a covenant relationship for the rest of your life, and when that get in that covenant relationship, whatever's comfortable between you two, it's between you two, and enjoy yourself. But that's not what the world says. And that's not what the enemy wants. He wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to say, well, if you really love them then, if they really love you then, and listen, folks, you think this is happening now? <laughs> it's been around since day one. It's been around longer than you can imagine that this is one of the vice that the enemy wants to use to rob you from your joy. And I'm here to tell you, out of all these sins, Sexual sin will kill your joy faster than any of these sins. And it will rob you of a healthy relationship in life because there are costs. And I know what people are saying. I know what people talk about. Hey, you know, and, and I know because I've been there and I was just saying, hey, just one more time. Just one last time I'm gonna look at it. Just one last time I'm gonna see my boyfriend and girlfriend. Just one last time I'm gonna do this outside of my marriage. Just one last time. I just got one last time. I'll just do it one more time. And I know because that's what the enemy said. Just one more time and then you can stop. One more time you get back into church. One more time then you can repent. One more time you can start reading your Bible. One more time you can go get help. One more time you'll ask for counseling. One more time you'll confess. One more time. And that's what the enemy wants to say. Listen to me. That will destroy you and you'll never get past it. Why don't you say thing? my last time, that one last time was the last time. It's over. That last time was my last time. You can do that. You can make that decision because if you don't, it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you. I mean, think about it. Think about it. If, <laughs> I know everybody's not going to buy into this, so just hear me out. So imagine if everybody on the planet, everybody on the planet agreed that sexual relationships is between one man, one woman, and a covenant relationship marriage. I know they won't, they disagree with that. They try to redefine marriage, all this stuff. So just, just play along. Everybody on the planet did that. Do you think our world will look different? Think about it. If everybody on the planet took that one concept, you know what, we're gonna believe that all sexual relationships is between one man, one woman, for all, for the rest of their life. Now watch this. Rape, gone. Child molestation, gone. STDs, gone. Can we keep going on? Children will not have to go to bed at night and mom or dad has checked out with another relationship, gone. 
Imagine, our world would be so different. If you're God and you knew that, what would you say? Ah, it's no big deal as long as you have protection. Ah, no big deal, it's your body, do what you wanna do to it. If you knew that that would fix it, you would say, listen, I got this beautiful, wonderful thing, but here's my God, here's my guardrails. This is what it's for. Keep it right here, and it's gonna be the most beautiful thing you've ever imagined. So if you would do that and you would wait before you get married, listen to me, there's no comparison. You're not thinking about somebody else. You don't have to worry about anybody else. You, yeah, you've never done anything. You're gonna be clumsy probably for a while. You're gonna figure it out as you go, but trust me, you'll figure it out. And all that guilt and shame from your past and things I've tried and things I've done and things I've looked at, you'll never bring any of that sexual baggage into the relationship because listen to me, no matter what you do, that baggage is always gonna be there. You're always gonna have it in your rearview mirror. It doesn't have to affect how you live today, but it's there. And you never have to bring that into your relationship. Could you Imagine, all your scars, gone. Negative emotions, gone. Let me tell you what it costs, sexual sin, life and love. It will cost you, it will cost you. Because what happens is, when, all you, when you fulfill all your desires out, out of the guardrails what God has for you, you'll get addicted to variety instead of being addicted to mahogany between one man, one woman for the rest of your life. You'll wanna, you won't wanna bond, you'll bond to all these other things and you'll miss the commitment and the covenant relationship. So how do I fix this? Mason, you, you can come on out and play here. How, how do I fix this? What's the cure? I'm gonna walk through this quickly. Points are not on the screen, but you may wanna write some of this down. I'm gonna walk through this. What's the cure? Well, if I go back and look at 1 Thessalonians 14, well, before I do it, let me jump in at Romans 6. So I wanna give you some hope because I don't have to jump into it. I know you're sitting here, sir, and you're struggling with pornography. I know you're sitting here, teenager, you're struggling with pornography, I know. I know you're sitting here and you're struggling with lustful thoughts. I know you undress people at work and you're wondering if a bra matches or panties. I know, I'm speaking to you. I know the thoughts that go through your mind. I know what the enemy wants to pierce at you. I know, ladies, you thought when you saw him, if I only had a husband like that, if my husband only looked like that, then maybe it would be better like that. I know. I know when you click on the internet, everything in you wants to know because you know exactly what website to go to and how many clicks it gets to get to her. I know. And you're sitting here and you're watching this and I know this all of a sudden it feels like, whoa, this is very heavy, like you're speaking right to me. Listen to me, listen to me. I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit brought you right here, whether you're watching this on YouTube, you found this years from now, and you're wondering, I'm gonna believe that God brought you here to say, listen, you don't have to live like this anymore. You can leave Las Vegas. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to live in this sex craze. And I know you've got baggage and you've built habits. I don't even have time to go into it, to the science behind the endorphins and, and, and what's released in your body during sexual activity. Actually, it's the most strongest, uh, well, I was reading this today, it's one of the most strongest feelings that you could have that release. And when you have that, your body gets addicted to it. I mean, the same thing when somebody gets addicted to cocaine, it's the same endorphins release when somebody gets addicted to porn. And you just gotta have, it's gotta happen. You feed it, you feed, and whatever you feed, it's gonna grow. But I know the Lord brought you here. And I know you believe there's no hope. And I know you believe there's no way I'm gonna get through this. I said one last time, I've prayed, I confess, I've done, and I still give in. I'm good for a week, but then I go back. I'm good for two weeks, then I go back. I tell my boyfriend, my girlfriend, I'm not, we're not gonna sleep with each other, and then 30 days later, we're back at it again. I told my wife, and I even said, guys, I'm not gonna cheat on you no more, and he does it again. I mean, I've had these conversations way more than I wish I could have had, but that's life. How do I fix it? I know what some of you are thinking right now, there's no hope. I'm always gonna be addicted to blank. I'm always gonna look at blank. I'm always gonna be this way. I'm always gonna have to touch myself. I'm always gonna be this way, no matter. And listen to me, marriage doesn't fix that baggage. See, the number one cause for sexual sin in people's life is loneliness. And marriage doesn't fix loneliness. I know a lot of married couples right now, and you're sitting here on the sofa, you're, you're lonely. You're just roommates sleeping in the same room. You don't know each other. You haven't communicated with each other. In fact, you're thinking what's life would be like with somebody else, and that's where it goes. That's where it starts. Not with complete strangers, 
but with somebody around your circle of influence, I want to be like with her. I wonder what I'll be like with him. And here's what I know. But you don't want to think those thoughts. How do you fix it? Well, let me give you some hope. Real quick, Romans says in Romans 6, 14, Paul says, for sin shall no longer be your master. Hallelujah. I don't have to, it don't have to master me no more. Sexual immorality does not have to master me anymore because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. God's grace will give me the power to say no to every sexual morality. Sex before marriage, same sex, pornography. You go and fill in the blank. Every single thing, the Holy Spirit will give you the power. Paul says, you no longer have to be slave to your sin. It don't have to master you. So what do you do? Well, he writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, Two words, he says here. One, avoid sex morality, and two, learn to control. Avoid control, learn, avoid control. I'm gonna walk through that real quick. How do I avoid this? It's everywhere. <laughs> the people at Thessalonica was like, I can't even take my children out to the marketplace in Corinth because they're, they see the temple prostitutes. So every time I put my hands over little Johnny's eyes, I said, come on, just trust me, follow me. Come on, don't look. I know you see him out there. They're gonna try to bait us to come over. Serious, it's everywhere. How do you avoid it? It's so fascinating, like when you put yourself in the context, Paul's like, just avoid it. How, I can't even go to the grocery store, man, and it's everywhere. Can't even drive down the road and there's a billboard. How do I avoid it? Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Paul says, here's what we're gonna do. If you're struggling with sexual sin, you need to go read Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6. Flee, flee, run from sexual morality. All other sins a person commits outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body, which wreaks havoc on you. You need to flee. How do I avoid? You run. You run. Now, let me help set some of you free, okay? And this is why I struggle with the most dealing with this in my own personal life, is that I'll always beat myself up for the thought that came into my mind. And then I realize that I cannot control the thoughts that come in my mind. But I can control what I do with the thoughts once they get there. See, the enemy wants to pierce your mind with thoughts. You'll be just going, doing your own business, buying your thing, and then bam, here comes this thought out of nowhere. Like, what in the world? Like, oh man, I shouldn't think that way. I don't wanna be that. And here's what happens. We begin to beat ourselves up because we had the thought. Until I realize the enemy will pierce your mind with thoughts. My flesh will pierce my mind with thoughts. So when the thought gets there, that's not the problem. The problem is when I act on the thought. So how do I run? How do I run? So when the thought comes to my mind, here's how I run. That's not my wife. It's not my wife. Turn your head. Don't look again. Keep your eyes straight. Look up. You're like, what? Yeah. You have to practice. You have to run. You have to flee. So you may not control the thought against it, but you could take that thought captive, as Paul says, hold it to God's word, what God's word says, and then you could move that thought out of your mind. And you do not have to act on that thought because really this is where the battle is. Jesus told everybody, hey, you think just because you commit the act of adultery, you committed adultery? I'm gonna take it a step further. You know where adultery comes from? Lust. So Jesus says anyone who has lust over another person. You've already committed adultery in your heart, which means lust is not the activity, lust is what's in here. It's inside of you, it's in your mind. So here's what happens, when the thought comes, I'm gonna flee, I'm gonna run. I'm flipping to the TV, whoop, boom, change that one. I'm on a Facebook or I'm on a page and something pops up here and here's a girl in a bikini, nope, nope, change that, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna flee. I'm not gonna say, well, no one's really looking, what's the big deal, click. I'm gonna flee. And you know what the problem with? Most people, listen to me, they don't flee, they flirt. What's the big deal? He's just kind of giving me a little bit of attention at work. My husband hasn't given me attention in 20 years, but man, he's giving me attention at work. So I'm gonna make sure every day I walk by his desk so he'll notice me, so he'll say something to me that makes me feel good about myself. See, that's how it all starts. I've done a whole entire message on how to have an affair and walk you through. If you wanna do it, here's how you do it. 
and this is where it starts. And you think it's no big deal. Oh, he's just encouraged. <laughs> Quit saying those nice things to me. But then it turns to what would life be like with him? What would it be like to sleep with him? And it goes on and on and on. Before you know it, you've hooked. You gotta flee. You gotta run. I ain't gonna let him say those things to me. Oh, she, that ain't my husband, he ain't talking to me like that. Nope, I'm, I'm gonna make sure I avoid his cubicle. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to flee from this. I'm not gonna watch, I'm gonna put stuff on my computer that blocks stuff. People have accountability to my computer that says stuff. When things come, I'm gonna make sure I have an avenue. And the Bible says this, every temptation that comes your way, God will always provide a way out. You know what the problem is? We don't want out. We wanna flirt with it. She's just in a bikini, what's the big deal? Click. And before you know it, you spent 30 minutes going through Instagram. Look at them, just in bikinis, no big deal, just bikini. Or it's your fantasy books that you read, ladies. Whoa, I wish it would be like that. Wow, hot, steamy, but that's not my life. And you'll begin to fantasize on what could be if you had that relationship. I'm telling you, this is the battlefield. And Paul says, you better run, flee. Don't you flirt with that stuff. Because you think it's harmless and no one knows what's going on in your mind. It will destroy you. And there's consequences to sexual sin. You've got to avoid it at all cost. You run, you flee. So listen, this takes time. That's why he goes and says in 1 Thessalonians, learn to control. Learn to control it. So Paul would never ask us to do that. God would never ask us to learn to control something if he didn't think we had the power to do it because sin has no master over us. So we learn to control it. We learned to walk through it. First Peter says this, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Don't go back to where you come from. So many people wanna go back to Egypt and be in bondage. No, let's cross the Red Sea and go to the promised land. I ain't going back to Egypt, man. I ain't going back to bondage. I'm gonna run from that stuff. I know what it's like to be in bondage to pornography and how it controls your life. I ain't touching that stuff no more. And by the grace of God, for almost two decades, I've been set free. I ain't touching that stuff, man. I ain't getting around that stuff because I know what it can do to you. I ain't going back to Egypt. God has set me free and I'm gonna walk in the freedom that he's given me. I'm not gonna fulfill my selfish desires. I'm gonna be holy because it says here in verse 16, you must be holy because I am holy. Here's the first thing, you gotta prepare. You gotta prepare. You gotta prepare your minds for actions. You gotta prepare your mind for, you know how you prepare to take a test? You gotta prepare your minds. You gotta prepare, you gotta practice this. You gotta get your mind ready. How do I prepare my mind? For what? Sometimes I'm just walking down the street and boom, there it is. Sometimes I see a billboard, whoa, there it is. How do, sometimes I'm watching a movie, I had no idea it's gonna pop up in a movie. Like, oh, fast forward it, fast forward it. Which is one reason not to be legalistic about it. That's why I don't watch this stuff. Because sexual stuff is kind of funny in it. They laugh about sexual, sexual jokes. That's what she said, go on and on and on. It starts out being funny. It starts out you're sitting there watching, it's no big deal that they're talking about it and it's funny. <laughs> and they start sucking you in. That's why it's most rated art movies, I don't even watch them. I stay away from it. I look and see if it's mature content. I check and see before I go to movie what's gonna be showed. Is there gonna be nudity, is there gonna not? Pastor, come on. We live in Corinth, man. We live in Thessalonica. And my Bible says run. Flee. Don't flirt with it. Until you've been in bondage and know the devastation that it could have, you don't wanna flirt with it. I have a friend who's been completely sober for decades now. He hasn't turned back to drugs or to the bottle. I said, how are you doing? He said, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it. And it's been over a decade. It's been two decades and I don't think about it. It pierces my mind. How do you do? I know what it was like in bondage. See, but you're a big boy, right? You're a big girl, no big deal. You're sitting there flirting with it. Ha ha, that's funny when I watch it. Whatever episode, whatever sitcom, but eventually it's gonna snare you. And you think it's so subtle. It's, ah, it's no big deal. It is a huge deal. 
And the Bible says flee, and you better prepare. How do I prepare? I'm gonna see what's coming when I go watch it. I'm gonna see what is there. Some things I can't help, I'm right in the middle of it, and I gotta figure out what to do when that happens. You better prepare. You better not prepare when you're in a backseat, teenagers of a car at the lake, and it's getting hot and steamy, go, uh, what's my purity plan right now? It's too late for you. You better prepare. I'm not even gonna go in those situations. I'm not gonna be alone with you there. I'm not even gonna get myself in that environment. I'm not gonna go by your cubicle because when I do, here's what comes to my mind. I'm gonna flee from it. I'm gonna prepare my mind because I know it's coming. How bad do you want to walk in purity and in God's will for your life? Colossians 3.10 says this. Paul says, put on. Here's how I prepare. I put on the new self. Being renewed in the knowledge that is so important and the image of its creator. How do I prepare my mind? Let me tell you the best way to prepare your mind. You get in God's word. I'm gonna put on the knowledge. Did you see that? The knowledge. How many Bible verses have you memorized to deal with purity? How many of you have made a, a, a statement like Job did and said, I'm gonna make a covenant with my eyes what I look at? How many Bible verses have you memorized on purity, on a pure heart? How to give your life and trust God in those moments? Instead of lusting over something, you begin to lean on God's promises. God, you said, blessed are those who are pure heart, for they shall see you. I need to see you right now because I'm being tempted with a thought. The thought's not the sin. It's when you take and act on that thought. That's the sin. And the enemy has lied too long. When a thought comes, oh, I'm so dirty, I can't believe I that. No, that's not my wife. That's not my thought. God, your word says, blessed are those who have a pure heart, for they shall see you. God, I just want to see you. Are you ready? Are you prepared? With the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of it, put on the new self. And they all start with peace, because I'm Baptist, so we gotta prepare, we gotta put on, and then lastly, we gotta pray. Really, literally pray. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 26. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Because let me tell you something about your spirit. The Holy Spirit in you, it's willing to help you not let that master you no more. But watch this, your flesh, it's weak. And what your flesh desires, if you'll give into it and you feed the flesh, you'll follow it. So you got two paths. I'm gonna walk in the flesh or I'm gonna walk in the spirit. And here's the thing, it is your choice. And I beg you, for you, for your heart, for your soul, for your relationships, please choose to walk in the Spirit. The flesh will always be there, an appetite, don't feed it. And over the years, I've learned to starve an appetite so that you can walk in freedom. You don't have to walk in bondage anymore, sir. You don't have to walk in bondage anymore, ma'am. You can be set free today. Galatians 5, 16 in closing says, so I say, please hear this as if, if the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to say this to you today. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the reason why you give in is because you're not controlled by the Spirit. But if I walk in the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And when I'm walking with Jesus in the Spirit, I better say, no, that's not my wife. No, I'm not going watching that. No, I'm not gonna look at that billboard. No, I'm not gonna have that thought. Because now I have the control over my thoughts because I'm walking in the Spirit. And if you go on and continue, if you continue, now this is very important. According to this, he says, don't be like the pagans who do not know God. And when someone knows the truth and they purposely rebel and reject, do you see this? This all has to do about rejecting God's instruction. He says it, the last verse in verse eight. You're not rejecting man, you're rejecting God's, because you're not being, God because you're not being obedient. So lust comes when you reject what God has for you. And listen to me, if you're in complete rebellion of sexual morality, going, you know what, I'm gonna sleep where I want to, and I don't care what anybody thinks. 
I'm gonna choose to go this past, I don't care who anyone thinks. I'm gonna look out, I don't care what anyone thinks. If you purposely are rejecting God, here's what Paul says, then you're just a pagan and you really don't know him. If there is no conviction of your sin, of your sexual morality, then you don't know him. You're believing a lie. You may have walked an aisle, you may have went through the motions, you may have checked a card at church camp or in Sunday school, but you don't know him. Because he goes on and says, if you're living in sexual immorality, and where, listen, we go on that sex before marriage, that sex with your boyfriend, girlfriend, listen, that, that, that could be uh, same sex, we can go on and on and on. So if you live in that and you don't have no shame and that's all up to you, and you think it's no big deal, and you reject what God says in his word, then you don't know him. And what you need to do today is give your life to Jesus because you'll never be able to get out of bondage without the power of the Spirit in your life. So I'm gonna ask you to, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I know this is awkward and it's a tough conversation, but listen, we're not gonna shy away from issues that will kill your joy, destroy your family, destroy your kids. Sex sells and it's everywhere and the enemy knows that. And each generation gets younger and younger and younger. It's like, well, I didn't want my kids in here. They're in fifth grade. <laughs> Little Johnny knows more what you think in fifth grade than you can imagine. And I want you to know, it's faith alone in Christ that will deliver you from hell. I want you to hear that. It's faith alone, not works. It's faith alone. But I'm here to tell you, that same faith that will deliver you from hell is the same faith that will deliver you from lust. You just gotta believe it. So what do you do? Confess it. Right now, confess it. God, and fill in the blank. I have, confess it. Confess your sins and he is faithful just to forgive you of your sins. Confess it right now. I don't care who's sitting around you, confess it. Pray out to him right now and confess, Lord, I have. And then you need to repent. Repent means you turn from it. How do you know you really repented over sin? You stopped doing it because you turned from it. I'm gonna turn from porn to God. I'm gonna turn away from lust to God. I'm gonna turn away from the sexual immorality and sexual activity towards God. You need to repent. How? You avoid, we talked about, right? You can avoid and learn to control. It's a learn, man. Listen, you've got a lot of baggage and a lot of bad habits. It's gonna take you some time, but you can learn it. That's what Paul says, learn to control. And the first thing you control is avoiding it as best as you can. And now you gotta trust him. I wanna I want speak I know I'm going over a little bit, but this is very important. Someone right now, you're watching this, and the guilt that you've been carrying around for burden for years and years and years of sexual sin that nobody even knows, nobody even knows. And you've wondered, has God truly forgiven me? I want you to please hear me. There is no sin that God will not forgive. The only sin, the only sin that God will not forgive is the sin of unbelief to every single person who rejects his son Jesus. Because whoever rejects Jesus will spend eternity in a place called hell. You've confessed it, you've prayed about it, but the enemy still lies to you and says, you're dirty, it's shame, and you feel guilt. Listen to me. If you've confessed your sins to Jesus and you confessed him as Lord and you feel guilty, that is not coming from God. God will never guilt you nor shame you. God convicts you. And it's his kindness that leads you to repentance. Not guilt, not shame, it's kindness. So if you've been carrying that sexual baggage around your whole life, listen to me, let it go. Are there consequences to our sin? Absolutely, absolutely. But for those who are in Christ, listen to me, there's no condemnation. There's consequences, but no condemnation. 
and you've allowed the enemy to condemn you way too long. So my prayer for you, sir and ma'am, that you've been carrying this sexual sin that's a hidden, it's hidden around for so long. Please confess it, turn to Jesus, and watch this, let it go. And he says, I will forgive you, and I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, and I will purposely choose not to remember your sin anymore. Who would neglect such a great salvation? Who would turn their back on such a great God? who loves you that much. So today you have a choice. You can walk in the flesh or you can walk in the spirit. I'm gonna leave you for this one question. And this is the question you may wanna focus on personally, you may in your watch party. But my question to you is what's one thing can you do this week to prepare your mind for action, for the battle that you're gonna face in this world? when it comes to sexual morality. What's one thing, not a hundred things, learn to control. What's one thing you can do this week to prepare your mind for action for the battles that we fight? Take just a moment, answer that question. What an incredible message this morning from Pastor Daniel. And I think this whole series has just really been extremely challenging and, and really kind of brings us to that point of what is stealing our joy. And lust is one of those things that can that impacts so many people. But what was one of your big takeaways today, Connie? I liked the idea of like the perfect world that Pastor Daniel said could happen if everyone bought into the idea of um, sex is only in the covenant of marriage. Um, mm -hmm. And I th feel like we look at it always from the perspective of a child um, as what we're not allowed to do and the limits that it puts on us instead of the perspective of God as the father um, and what he wants to protect us from. And so if we can just shift that perspective and look at it from the perspective of a parent mm -hmm. um, uh, and see the benefits of it instead of seeing, um, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like what it, what it takes right. away from us, right. limits us in, in the sense of our thinking. Right, absolutely. What about you, Aaron? Absolutely. So there's so many just, I think, really just applicable points here. One of the things that was just, I think, so important to every single one of us is that that idea of people don't, people don't flee, they flirt. And I think that, you know, so many times you just kind of, you're in a situation that you know that isn't, Right, but then there becomes this justification of like, oh no, I'm mature not... enough; it's not going to affect right. me. I mean, right. I've said that before. I mean, you know, like you hear that all the time. Right, Lots absolutely, of absolutely. But you know, it was a really powerful message, and and really, it is. He didn't leave us there. You know, he kind of got to the point to where condemnation should not rule our life. And we, we have every right and every ability through Jesus to be free from that condemnation. Right, that was my life verse for a long time, Romans 8.1. There is yeah. now no condemnation in Christ Jesus um, for our life right now because we are filled now with the Spirit. Absolutely. I love that. And we wanna celebrate with you today, if that was you, that you gave your life to the Lord, if this message just truly spoke to you and opened your eyes up to who Jesus is and the freedom that he brings, we would love to just celebrate that with you. We encourage you to text SAVED to the next 
number on the screen. And this just gives us a great way that we can connect you and help you on this journey of following Jesus. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to provide that for you also. Just let us know, reach out to us. Um, we are here to serve you as your church staff. Um, also that you know, salvation is a great step and we wanna celebrate that step, but there's so many other next steps that once you are saved that you continue to take, um, whether like we talked about before, joining a group, giving for the first time, um, getting baptized. You know, there's so many different things, learning how to read your Bible, learning how to grow closer, right. um, maybe leading some way. So many different things that you can do. Help us, let us help you find that next step for you. Absolutely. And as Connie mentioned, if you would love to support Better Life Church financially, you can do that in a multitude of ways. We are still taking, uh, you can still mail in your, your tithe, but you can also give online and you can also give through the app. I know for me and Emily, we love how we can just, every month, it's the it's the one thing, it's one of those things that is automated. I know you've always said automate what's important. Right, right, absolutely. That. And uh, so there's multiple ways that you can give, but we are just so thankful for your generosity and you have no idea. And really, I don't think I really can grasp the, uh, you know, how much we have been able to help people through this time, through the generosity of the church. I mean, it's just been incredible. There have been so many stories, so many lives that have been impacted in a positive way because of their generosity. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll continue because that's weird just love to pour out into our community and pour out to the people who are in need um, in so many different ways. Yeah. So Connie, been a lot of fun hanging with you today. Yes, yes. And this is the end of our Killjoy series. Yes. And next week we're starting a brand new series called uh, Jonah. Yes. We're going to dive into the book of Jonah. It's going to be exciting. And whether you're joining us next week online or here in person, in person, in person, whichever one is right for you right now, we are wanting to make sure that you feel welcome um, in whatever is good for your yes. family right now. And we cannot wait to see you right yes. here or right here. That's right. Week. And we also want to communicate that everything changes on a daily basis. And so we are hoping that November 1st is that day. But as we all know, you just never know what tomorrow could hold. But we're hopeful that the November 1st will be that day. That's right. Really excited. That's right. And we will see you guys next week.